Hey, everybody. What? Hi, everyone. This is going to be an amazingly laid-back podcast, both I'm, figurative and literal. Yeah, I'm laid-back. Hey, everyone. This is David. Rescue. Uh, but I'm also Dylan. Dylan's over there. Hello, Dylan. It's oh. been like two weeks, three weeks. I mean, since I was on the podcast, probably several years. Several years, yeah. Somewhere <laughs> around there. It hasn't been quite that long, but... That's okay. This will be as chill as any of those ever were back in the day, because that's pretty much the attitude around here. Yeah. I was pretty tense on those podcasts, from what I remember. I don't know. We talked about... Anxiety. The joy of painting. Did we? Yeah, absolutely. We painted Bob Ross pictures while listening to Alex Jones. Oh, yeah. That had a tinge of anxiety to it then. Oh, okay. This one's hopefully going to be more laid back. We're going to talk about daydreaming, just as an activity. Dylan, what is a daydream? A daydream, as according to Wikipedia, is a short-term detachment from one's immediate surroundings during a person's contact with reality. It is blurred and partially uh, substituted by a vision of fantasy, especially one that is happy, pleasant, or hopes of ambitions. Images coming to life as you are still awake. I paraphrase the shit out of that because I'm very bad at sight reading. That's, that's fine. Um... I'm yeah. surprised they added positive straight in there. Yeah, no, I mean, I would imagine that daydreaming about a negative thing is more so just being anxious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a waking nightmare, so to speak, is yeah. usually very bolstered in reality. So daydreaming would almost always be positive, I'd imagine. Well, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that. Dylan, I assume there was a reason... I mean, you brought this up a couple of weeks ago, and I've been so on the ball that we didn't get to record this when you actually requested initially. Uh, I've still been thinking about it. That's how daydreaming works, baby. I, that, I, that checks out. But what, what did, in fact, trigger this particular topic? I was listening to the wonderful podcast. Uh, that is the name. Both It also describes it with uh, Griffin McElroy and his wife, Rachel McElroy. That's, that's now the second and third times you've said that instead uh, of saying McElroy. McElroy? Like McElroy? they do. Yeah. They say it like that. <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no ambiguity about they it. Get to, they get to... Look, they don't own that name. Anyway, <laughs> I was listening to their podcast, and um, they take uh, submissions. And one of the things that I genuinely get really excited about is the fantasy of time travel. I could not, uh, I could not tell you how often I daydream about going back in time, showing somebody a, a recording device or just any type of technology, or just a newer version of an old thing, and then them going, oh man, that's wild, and then I learn a humbling lesson about humanity, and I give people in the past hope for the future. Like, that's just a good experience to just think about. How many years back do you normally go? Um, I usually go back to the 1800s, because I just imagine that being the most recent time I feel like communication could still work just because of how language evolves. I mean, if you'd break down most time travel fantasies, it it breaks down pretty quick once you realize people don't talk the same for very long. Sure. Um, I was just curious because there is, there's a 500 year gap you could excuse in there. I don't know. Every, every time one of these dreams comes up and this is why I have to push back on the, the positivity angle is I, I consider just how unpleasant it would be to go back. 200 years yeah but you're bringing the positivity that's that's where i like i mean and like the lack a, of <laughs> immunity to local disease look with a fan with a daydream you get to ignore all that and have your favorite 
uh, storybook fantasy where you are not going to get sick. You have a portal to the internet because, let, let's be real, bringing back an iPhone isn't going to be impressive unless that thing connects online. That essay is still coming, by the way. <laughs> but about how irrelevant your phone actually is and what makes it so great. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think about that pretty often of just, uh, you know, getting some type of humbling lesson. It also is um, relieving to think about the distance between, you know, the past and, I mean, the 1800s wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And there's just been so much gradual advancement to take that chunk and then just compare, uh, you know, how far we've come socially, uh, technologically, um, communally, like how, how people interact differently. I like to, I like to, acknowledge it for the gradual change that it truly is by making that big stark contrast of going back in time. And I just think about that, you know, when driving around, um, cause daydreaming really is a, a way to, uh, I guess, disassociate positively. Um, it is, it is a way of entertainment. It's the cheapest. Did the sun of- just go? I'm sorry. It yeah, no, got it's really dark in this room all of a sudden. Yeah, we set the mood lighting. That was, uh, that was radical. How much darker it is in here now? No, yeah, no. It was detecting that we were talking about daydreams and figured it needed some mood lighting. Like I can't even see you anymore. <laughs> it did get very dark. <laughs> it gets very dark in here. Uh, but yeah, so what's something that you either used to daydream a lot about or still daydream about just to, you know, fill the time? Oh God! Um, planning. That's about it. This is this topic is interesting for me because I um I I pretty much do nothing but scheme in my head. I don't. It is called machination luck. Yeah, like there's there's a good reason I picked that name and the name prior to it. Um, <laughs> actual garbage. But no, I um I spend virtually all. I mean, I do I do a handful of things that are adjacent to daydreaming that I'm sure a lot of people will be familiar with. I've done the time machine thing, of course, because yeah. every time technology actually works, it is miraculous, and it's. I mean, what the the great part about the time machine fantasy is, if you wanted to like blow someone's mind with a phone, the people whose minds you might blow more readily are like in the '60s. Yeah. Or even in the 90s. Like, you don't even like, have to go back very far. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is it is strange to contemplate that the iPhone, as a brand, is still only 11 years old. Yeah. But the... Um, but no, it's uh, the thing I was going to say that's adjacent to daydreaming, filling time for half a second before I think of what it was. Oh, is uh, self-talk, it's the mm. monologue, when you... Uh, when you have just like any random idea or argument in your head and there's no one to actually push back on it. Yeah. So you just talk emphatically at yourself. <laughs> like you're trying to prove a point to you, which always get it you. works really well. You always want to get you. It's yeah. Maybe you didn't consider from this angle me, but <laughs> which is dumb and useless, but it's, you know, it's why I try to write instead because otherwise like it's between the scheming and the monologuing that's that's most of what fills my head when I'm not filling with podcasts and music. I guess that's the other thing is you you drive around delivering fresh air to people mm-hmm. and um I don't I don't I don't know if that's how you actually would classify what your job is. That is the most romanticized version of my job I think I've heard, so I'll go with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um 
I spend almost all of my time listening to words. Mm. I mean, I I am basically a podcast addict for all intents and purposes. I I listen to twenty or thirty of them a week, so that eats the majority of my time. And it's an easy because I telecommute. I don't. The only people that I talk to are in teleconferences, and no offense meant to them, but I hate talking to those people because <laughs> uh, it's a tele like yeah. it's work. It's no work. one, yeah, work. Work is supposed to be relegated to, um, I'm not even sure where the sentence was going to go because I was just going to end it with by saying like retirement, but, <laughs> but I think, I think I've made my, I think I've made my point about work before. The, the, it's goal oriented conversation. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which is also a strange thing to say because I talk about conversation like it's goal oriented as well. In fact, it's why we're sitting here doing a podcast. I love how circular this is. Yeah. I like how this is all just folding in on itself right now. Um, bringing up the mood lighting again. Yeah, here we go. The sun's turning back on. <laughs> so I just introduced two new radical, exciting variables to this daydream conversation, Dylan. And I need your input on whether or not you also experience these two exciting new variables. Yeah, but I think I get, like, I listen to podcasts, but I'll either run out or just kind of get tired and sometimes just thinking feels okay. Um, I usually use it to stop negative thoughts, um, but lately I've been trying to, like, encourage and, you know, work out my brain to just think about more positive stuff. And that's one of the reasons why daydreaming came up was it like having a cyclical thought uh, is almost entirely negative. They're usually cyclical because it is like a, a, a bad song stuck in your head that doesn't complete. Uh, and I've been trying to get strategies to overcome that. And I realized, you know, this is a self prescribed little way to work out your brain, to think about something cool that excites you to help you get through you through something. Um, and while trying to think of like what I daydream about now, I thought about what I daydreamed as a, as a kid, you know, like on a car ride, you would look out a window, uh, through the bus and you'd see the scenery rushing past. And I know everybody's done this. You have either the tank, the little running dude, sometimes a skateboarder, (laughs) just a little critter or person or machine outside running alongside the car with you. All right. And hopping along buildings, like, that's one of my favorite little things that just gets me stoked. So, you know, occasionally I'll be driving around and I'll peek out the window and I just imagine that for even just a few seconds to, you know, brighten the day. Um, I thought about uh, back when I was in elementary school, I would have the daydream, you know, like everybody's turning in their homework or I finished work early and now I have to wait. And that's where, you know, I started drawing daydreaming is a lot of early drawing is just putting daydreaming down on paper so i would draw like half transformed wolf people like i had the aware wolves yeah i was aware of wolves and i wanted to transform in the middle class and everybody would be like whoa it's just it was just funny that you broke it down that way (laughs) he is half wolf and half man (laughs) (laughs) yes maybe you've heard of them this This nuanced... Uh, I mean, to be fair, as a child. As a child, yeah. No, that was very... <laughs> That's that was a novel concept. Goes, so. Yo, what if a person was part animal? Like, And here we are. Yeah. 
or at least here I am. But uh, Animorphs was big when I was in elementary school, so never read it. Neither did I. I just looked at the covers and went, "Yo, that's fucking wild." <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was aware of it, but yeah. I watched the show. Um, and then the boy got turned into the hawk forever, and something about that bugged me a little bit. That kind of killed the. I think that's actually what killed that daydream for me. Was the idea of not being able to like change back? It kind of spooked me a little bit, so I kind of knocked it off. Uh oh. Um, but yeah, no, I've um, daydream commitment. Daydream spooks. Then they just become anxieties. Yeah. <laughs> a daydream gone afoul is just anxiety. <laughs> yeah, but again, I, same thing with planning. I mean, uh, would you consider planning and getting excited about the prospect of something? Is that a daydream or? Or just um, setting expectations? This is... Oh, no, it's not setting expectations. I think that's more deliberate. I mean, I, I just think about ways to structure the things that I'm doing into exciting little boxes. It's it, it's something I do pretty much all the time because um, I am a mathematically oriented person. Do, do you aim or consider the emotional reward from those plans or actions yeah 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 okay so that's yeah that's daydreaming yeah sure i'd consider if like an emotional a temporary emotional gain if that is part of it i'd consider that a daydream oh yeah no it always feels like i accomplished something that's why they don't that's why none of those plans work but no it it has all the hallmarks of being daydreaming um i do like to attempt to codify it but i fail pretty much all the time as has been documented but well, documenting's part of uh, daydreams. Part of daydreams. Yeah, yeah. Writing right. it down. Writing down exciting things. Do you do journaling? Uh, my therapist had me start doing it, and I again, I've also been trying to encourage the recording of more positive aspects because mm-hmm. I, I did come to the realization that um, re- really digging hooks into negative aspects and pulling them closer to try to uh, dissect them isn't as helpful as just pulling in positive aspects and helping those fuel you forward. Um, Like one week I had an especially hard week, but at the end of it, I went into a gas station and the person behind the counter, like threw up a hand sign and was like, yo, what up? Like just being tired and silly. And we both laughed about it for a little bit. And then I got my coffee and I rung up with them and they just waved me off and said, no, you're good. Gave me a free coffee because, you know, they felt like being silly. Like, that was just a positive thing. And I wrote it down. I made sure to write that down, and now I have that positive little thing. And I'll I'll daydream about that sometimes. I'll just, I guess that's more of just a memory. (laughs) (laughs) Daydreaming back to my childhood. (laughs) Yeah, but, but yeah, no, daydreaming did um, condition me back towards clinging to positive memories. Um, I haven't given enough credit to positive psychology or um building habits like that uh in a long time just because you know it's when somebody says i've been daydreaming like you think that they're not paying attention they might be like uninterested in what's going on but I, i i seriously think that like spending a little time almost not almost but you know spending time deliberately saying I'm just going to try to think about something positive, regardless of how real it can be or accomplishable, has helped me um, 
grasp on to more concrete, more real positive experiences. I've been I've been trying to oh, getting back into the mood lighting. It's only when I'm talking. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been trying to encourage people to do that a little more. Just take some time to think about you know cool wild shit. It's fun. All right. Counter narrative. About four months ago, I made a concerted effort to apply Martin Seligman's philosophy to my life. He's the founder of positive psychology. Mm. It's contained in a handful of concepts. Uh, one of them is PERMA, uh, which are five letters that stand for things. You can look them up if you actually care. But they, um, but functionally, positive emotion. Positive emotion is actually the P. So that's a bad. It's well being as a whole is represented by these five letters, and these are the things that people actually care about. And there are a handful of very basic techniques. Most of them are either cognitive behavioral therapy or something approximate approximating it. Um, but one of them is to have the good thoughts journal, uh, which is you write down three good things that happened during the day. For forcing things like that, I don't think will help because then it will make you reflect on shit. I don't have three good things. Well, no, I, I tended to have, I tended to manage to come up with three good things, but the problem was that um, my brain took the point of that assignment and it didn't quite like invert it directly, but it certainly compromised it uh, by attempting to one up the good things that happened the previous day hmm. um, until that system was unsustainable. Um, and then I just completely stopped doing it, yeah. which was worse than when I wasn't doing it. Yeah, no, I, I've, I can understand that. Um, Trying to figure Dylan, out. my shitty yeah, experience with making my life better in no way invalidates your promising experience of making your own life better. I understand. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, no, I, I took that long pause because I was considering... Um, I've, I've done that. In short, is I've done that too, is the one-upsmanship. And I've, I've come to realize that it's a type of pride that is so meta that it looks down on yourself. And I feel like I... It, y there's this ideal that we're always striving for, which sounds romantic and, you know, uh, hopeful in a way, that you're always striving for this ideal, but it is... The messages you get down from that point of pride are so belittling and judgmental towards like oneself and others. Um, and I don't know if you experience it as well, but I have a lot of difficulty um, feeling reward. Um, like I finished that goblin and I took a lot of time, I took a lot of care to really make this thing as, it, as good as I thought it could be. And all I could do was look at how it fell short and I, I accomplished it in the time frame that I had set. Like I had accomplished a goal and the only thing I felt was anger. And it was because of that like meta pride of how good it could have been instead. Um, the, the need to one up oneself. Um, even though I had already done my best, it, it wasn't enough because it wasn't the best beyond what you could do. Like it, it wasn't better than myself. 
and that got frustrating. So I can I can understand how that mentality, when put towards something like journaling positivity, can be self-defeating. Because you're not happier than you should have been, or you didn't achieve the thing as much. Like, it's it's this, uh, this I mean, want. I, I don't want to give the impression that it's this is merely a hedonic treadmill scenario in the case of my my positive thoughts it has it has just as much to do with the fact that my brain is fucking with me mm. um because there's there's a part that i keep trying to name that is highly adversarial within my skull but um the it's interesting though i i have a i i think i do have a healthier relationship to the rewards of producing things than you do um, I have the ability. It's it's a tough uphill battle. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't suffer suck setbacks all that well. I don't think that that may actually not be true. I assume. I mean, most people are not creative precisely because they get set back. Yeah. But the um, it hurts. It it, it it physically hurts. Yeah. It's it sucks. But the thing um, you you posted something on Facebook, which reminded me of something I posted on this website that you guys are listening to right now, um, where it was, uh, sometime. And we're back. Hey man, how's it going? Hey guys. Do you have daydreams? Oh, um, my daydreams have gotten less ambitious. I think, do I have daydreams? Kind of, but you know, over the last year or so, like I, well, oh God, do I have daydreams? You know, driving to work or, Here's the alternative that I immediately posited to Dylan. Uh, do, you, do you spend all day thinking about what you're going to do? Because that's what I do instead of daydream, is just plan. I just scheme. The, the reason I'm hesitating is because I, I used to do that, but then I did some of those things that I was daydreaming about, and I found out that my daydreams were just full of garbage. <laughs> so I went back to my regular life, and now I just suppress my daydreams because they're garbage. That's why I've been going back to just having fantasies about unaccomplishable things. Like, just positive impossibilities. Because then I'm not setting an expectation. I'm just indulging, you know, like a, like reading a fantasy novel. Like, I am just indulging in a positive experience. Um, so, so that's in contrast with David's version that he's talking about some kind of plan. You're yeah. not actively planning. You are just... Yes, I am not escaping in a certain sense. Yeah, it, it it's a it's a form of more positive dissociation, you uh -huh. can say. Yeah, uh, a lot of my job is downtime, so got a lot of time to just think about stuff. And instead of being worried, because uh, that that does feel like the fallback. That feels like the mature thing to do is to plan and worry about things. Um, I've been fifty five my whole life, so. <laughs> uh, but just uh, you know. Daydreaming really is a relief from monotony, from the mundane. Um, and it feels reflexive to need to plan, but when you're not able to act on those plans, or in some cases where you are able to act on them and they don't come to fruition or meet expectations, it just breeds disappointment. Um, so I've taken more time to like deliberately think about things to just kind of get excited. Just 
general mood shifters. Well, I'm glad that none of the three of us agree about any of this because you use daydreaming to escape from some form of reality and it works. I use daydreaming to plan my reality and it works. Matt used to do that and it didn't work. Yeah, I'm taking a hiatus from (laughs) that kind of daydreaming. I love that. I love that we do not experientially line up on this at all. <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of interesting. Well, uh, I, I I suppose that, for example, when I was thinking about moving into a sailboat or an RV a couple weeks ago, like seriously considering that, I was spending a bit of time, you know, taking plans that I could put into action later. But then there was that part of me that said, "Hold up, you just did." You just did something kind of crazy for a while there. It didn't pan out. Let's be normal for like a year or three. Let's yeah. not, let's not, maybe we can make these plans, but they're not going to actually happen anytime soon. But you don't consider them pleasant enough to just deal with on the side, to just have them there? No, come on, that's useless. I got to... Uh, all my brain cycles have to be devoted to action, you know, like, like not, not necessarily action, but like productivity, the, 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 yeah, the productivity. Yeah. It's like, that's so, so I'm not trying to escape. I'm trying to like, like, okay, what am I going to do next? And, and I'm not there. I'm not like, I'm not at a point where I can actually take that action, but it's useful for what you were talking about, David, as like, okay, I'm making a mental to-do list so that I can take that action later. I just don't want to take that action anymore because those actions have proven, like my actions in particular that have been a product of daydreams have proven to be detrimental to me. So I'm taking a break. So so what it sounds like you're saying is the way that I experience them as um, emotional enticements mm-hmm. um, Mixed with David, like we had, we had picked apart a little bit of the idea of a time travel fantasy, and I'm enticed on the more like broad stroke, you know, people understanding each other, seeing how far we've come, like the the broad emotional satisfaction that and comes from blowing that. people's minds with an iPhone, blowing people's minds with a fucking iPhone. <laughs> that's crazy. How are those little people in that box? That's wild. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, for me, that's that's emotional relief. I just you know get. I get that out of it, but we then brought up the more practical side of time travel. Of yeah, they wouldn't I don't be immune get to the same diseases. Uh, they wouldn't talk perfectly the same language. They could react violently. Like there are a bunch of realities that present a real and present danger to the actual idea of time travel. Um, and it sounds like you lived that. Is you, ha- <laughs> you had you had this fantasy of doing these things, and then the realities. Um, kind of soured them. Yeah, no, it wasn't quite time travel, but I, I, I did something kind of fantastic. You space traveled. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you went, you went somewhere. Y- David, you started to react there. Oh, I was just, I was gonna say basically what Dylan just did there. I mean, it was, it was that you, you stepped into the time portal, and it turns out that, you know, I mean, you didn't die, but it wasn't very pleasant. Um, well, what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to figure out is why I don't. I mean, how how many times I, I can I understand that the experience was sufficiently traumatic to push you away from these grand schemes for at least a little while. Yeah. But is this the one example of this happening, or are there other examples? 
it, it's the example that comes to mind most readily because that was like the that was the biggest one. Yeah, it, it was like so. So sitting. What, what are we even talking about right now? So so for somebody that's not familiar with what I did, I think I should explain a little bit. Yeah, you, have you not done that right. on the podcast? Yet? Yeah, you can. T- I mean, you well. I mean, take 15 seconds. Sure, sure. So, so the 15 second version is I was dissatisfied with my job. So I saved up some money so I could go and try and start my own business for a while. And I did that. So I, I quit and I tried to, I, I worked on a startup for about uh, a year or so. And in the last half of that year, it turned out to not be that great. It was kind of sexy to think about. It was nice to daydream about. But when... <laughs> when it was real, it wasn't so great anymore. After after the honeymoon phase of about like the first three to six months, it just became garbage after that. So I went crawling back to my cubicle. Well, a different cubicle. Yeah. See, I have a I have a version of that daydream, and again, it's a scheme more than it is an actual daydream because I consider the details of it quite extensively. I mean, I talk about the compound, which would be on the order of what you're talking about, but. I know I shouldn't act on that until I actually have all of my ducks in a row. And to be fair, no is a presumptuous word there. I mean, maybe it's something I should have done a long, long time ago, but I'm also extremely risk-averse. Yeah, I'm less risk-averse than you, or at least I was. (laughs) Like, (laughs) maybe maybe I'm evolving in that sense. <sighs> yeah, it's, it sounds like that daydreaming kind of can take multiple stages. There's the daydream that you know I would get, um, where I keep it fantastical to not have to worry about the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I daydream about more practical things like I'm contingency planning on you know doing a caricature gig or starting my own thing, and I wade my feet in the water while kind of playing it safe in real life, but. I, I keep it as a hope, and David has his fantasy of having some type of artistic communal compound, and once daydreams transition into the planning stage, once the nitty-gritties and the hurdles start to present themselves, I guess the next step that maybe you skipped was really facing the acknowledgement of your ability to overcome those hurdles. Realistically. I suck. I suck. I should have realized that I suck, <laughs> but I didn't realize that, so that sucks. No, but I, I, I mean, it's it's still exciting that you tried, because there are still a lot of people who wouldn't take the shot at all. Um, I yeah, mean, it, it, it might have been the right move, though, to not take the shot at all, or or, or to, like, to, to wait for a few more years. Like, if I had just waited for maybe three or four more years, it would have been fine. Yeah. Like... like or you would have called it off or I mean look don't get me wrong it's generated a lot of great podcast content so <laughs> it's not a total loss yeah no but, it, but there's it is it is a strange thing because you I mean I when I'm comparing my risk aversion to your risk aversion I mean it's it is damning with faint praise to say that because I you know I I don't do much outside of what I absolutely have to in terms of leveraging my own my own abilities. I'm very, very bad about that. And part of it is because I go immediately from the daydream phase, the wouldn't it be cool phase, into the scheming phase. The instant I can operationalize and enumerate gotta, those things. You gotta wade in I that comfy zone do, way longer. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Break out Excel. <laughs> we just <laughs> we, just, it, we it, plug it, the numbers in. I th- yeah. I think that 
that excitement is the fuel to help get over those hurdles later on. That's why I think having a healthy, long daydreaming stage, even in a practical venture, has value in maintaining that excitement because then you can cite back to how excited it made you, how it made you overcome smaller mundane obstacles and how you can then use that towards the more practical obstacles that'll come with like following through. Oh, but numbers are so exciting. (laughs) They're so exciting. Dylan, do you have to suppress that urge that David, do you have to suppress the urge to go to the numbers and like start looking through the details or, or does that anxiety does that for me? (laughs) Okay. okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it has, it has a built in mechanism. And for a while I'd been suppressing uh, daydreaming at all Uh because having hopes awaited to get disappointed. But um, <laughs> it's a classic avenue. Yeah, uh, but classic no, groove. I, I I've been trying to backpedal on that. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's a healthy way to fuel oneself towards getting getting into your next venture. Because I've I've lost a lot of that motivation, and I think all motivation stems from that fuel that you build in daydreaming. And I think staying risk adverse. I mean. Daydreaming is the ultimate risk-adverse activity. Mm-hmm. You don't move, act, you just think about a cool thing. In many cases, you don't even have to think about the things that are negative about the cool thing. See, but if you psych yourself up, you can skip the planning phase. Well, yeah, don't And do accidentally that. do the thing. And just jump into it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I mean, there's a danger, I guess, there, but... Yeah, I'm just trying to, and as the person who is reflexively risk-averse, of course I'm going to take this particular stance on this, but that's, that it's, my brain arrived at this conclusion pretty logically to do what it's doing. For one thing, again, I enjoy crunching the numbers. Like, I've, I literally, I've created thousands of spreadsheets with just random stuff in them when I'm, you know, I, I need a formula that I can't hold in my head. But, um... I don't know that I've done with time travel. I don't know if I've done any prospectuses (laughs) about time travel. How much money your future money would be worth. What? But they wouldn't take it because it has the wrong people on it. Yep. (laughs) It's the wrong colors. (laughs) They don't take that color money. They always take gold, man. Yeah. They always take gold. Are we going to take pounds of gold into the future? You gotta. Yeah. That is actually... Yeah. Looper had it right. Cause yeah, you it, fucking have you to gain gold. It's, it's the only thing that's good. You get gold and silver bullion. That's what gold and silver are actually good for. for time it's travel. It's yep, not right. the fall of civilization. That's literally retarded. Because um, <laughs> no one's gonna <laughs> want no one's gonna want your gold when they can just shoot you. Um, <laughs> but for time travel purposes, yeah. all right. Now, now this makes sense. Why is this gold got twenty eighteen posted on it? Who gives a shit? It's gold, it. son. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then you get to get psyched about like you know cool stuff like that. Like, oh man, time travel. Does gold would be good for time travel? Like, I don't does, know. Does Glenn Beck me. believe in time travel? Is Who? that what I'm getting? Glenn Beck is that is that why these people all talk about gold all the time? Maybe. I don't doubt that they totally. T- I mean, they kind of live in a time travel fantasy. Harsh <laughs> cutting commentary from this side of the couch. No why aren't more- things <laughs> like the good old days? <laughs> no more political podcasts. <sighs> uh, I'm so feeling that, a heavy sense of despair today. From what? So earlier, I, I got. Is it, is it internal or external? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's mainly internal. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I got a new kettlebell because I, I day I daydreamed about fitness. Like like I was I was starting to to lose my fitness a little bit, and I wanted to like get back on the ex- exercise regimen. You know, the one that completely broke down after I stopped doing barbell training because I hurt my back doing it. Something about squat and deadlift form not being right, even though I was doing my best to get it right, like watching videos of myself, watching videos of people using the right form and stuff like that. So I stopped doing that and just like sank deeper into my depression. That was about April or May. So I was daydreaming about like a, a fitter, more new me. So I got a kettlebell, okay? Mm-hmm. And earlier today, I was like, oh, let me let me like put these plans into action, these plans that were a product of a daydream into action. So I started reteaching myself how to do the kettlebell clean. And I took some videos of myself doing it, like comparing my form to like the, the people with perfect form on YouTube, because, you know, the people on YouTube have perfect form doing yeah, this. The, the flawless folk on YouTube. Yeah, right, exactly. Take number um, 50. Right. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and also, this is measured with like the people who have the most likes and, and stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, those course. are the most trustworthy people. Yeah. But then I got frustrated when, like, when both doing the doing like the practice exercise and also watching the video of myself because it's like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hurt myself again. Like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get this right. So why should I even bother trying? So I think this is one of the reasons why I'm suppressing these daydreams now. It's because like I've proven to myself that it can only end in failure and it can only end in literally hurting yourself, which is what I did with both that entrepreneurial venture before and that that newfangled workout routine that apparently I am not compatible with. <laughs> so as l- I've taught myself that as long as I keep daydreaming and then acting on those daydreams, bad things are going to happen. So I'm suppressing them. Mm. Okay, I have I have to ask this incredibly stupid pedantic question because it just it it infected my brain about five minutes ago. So you went from Matt 1.0 to Matt 2.0. Corey. Yeah, that's true. It was Corey, but let's <laughs> no, call it was let's Matt call 1.0 it 1.0 to Corey to Matt 2.0. Well, no, no. See, and this is my question: <laughs> If it's Matt 1.0 and then Corey, aka Matt 2.0. Did you, are you now Matt 3.0 or did you revert no, he's and patch to Matt 1.1? Oh yeah, it's got to be a patch. Like, I feel like I have gone back. Um, I don't feel like I've evolved into this new form. So, so again, like to, to the 15 second catch up version for the listener is I changed my name from Matt to Corey when I quit my job and started that so-called business. Then I changed my name back to Matt. So to answer David's question, I think that I haven't evolved from Corey to a new version of Matt. I think I did go back to a patch version of Matt 1.0. Okay. All right. Just for whatever reason, I could not get that, like, skim- and that's the kind of shit I would totally put in an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> like, that's, that's exactly what I would use Wait it a for. Where are the numbers here, other than in the version control? It's the version like, control. So man. that's it. Yeah, well, okay. and you've got, I mean, you have, like, multiple paths. You, the Git file of your life, <laughs> you took, like, certain features off of the master branch, yeah. um, and you... You retrofitted them into from Matt 2.0 slash Corey into 1.1, and you're still working out the bugs because you don't know which of those features is worth pulling back. Which is why we may we'll see how long it takes until uh, the daydream suppression gets rolled back 
because presumably it'll happen again. You'll you'll not be burned for you know eight months, and then you'll give mm-hmm. something a shot and be annoyed at yourself again. So I I am detecting <laughs> things that match up back to what we had talked about before, uh, though. It's um, the the pattern I think is there's a lot of sudden change and then a high self expectation for an almost impossibly a short amount of time. You expected to turn your life around, change your literally become a new person over the course of a year. And like that that degree of change not a lot of people can handle. And it's the only way to change, man. Not sudden and rapid. Again. Yeah, you know, yeah. just like working out. <laughs> I um, love how incompatible our three music world are. <laughs> I mean, I I totally recognize that impatience is like a present quality in me. I get incredibly impatient and it's something I've been working on. Um daydreaming has been one of the things that has been like kind of restraining me because right now I have the fantasy of I could I could do the big drastic move that you're kind of suggesting. I could abandon my current job and start traveling the East Coast with a caricature gig that I'm somewhat familiar with, just roaming up and down the coast, traveling all the time. Like there's a lot of romanticism to it. But I know I I didn't have to try it myself to know I don't think I could do that right now. That would be a lot of change. It would be cool for a couple weeks, maybe a month or two. I would get sick of it and then feel like I ruined my life. Instead, I'm keeping that fantasy. I'm thinking about how fun that would be Mm -hmm. and doing more practical small steps in my everyday life that make that fantasy a little more real without hopping foot headfirst into it. Yeah, that that makes a lot more sense than the the approach that I took to it. Yeah. Instead, I started making business cards. Mm -hmm. I started handing them out. I didn't even expect anything. I started. I got an Instagram follower who told me that they found my business card at a place I left. Excellent. Awesome. This is all a daydream? No, this is all yeah, stuff that really happened, but it's yeah. been encouraged through daydreaming. That idea of having this big romanticized version, I'm able to do in more practical, small ways that are more risk adverse. Um, I have a caricature gig on December 15th um, because, you know, again, I was just... I, I was handing those cards out, and every time I did, I was able to fill myself with the emotion of that fantasy. Mm-hmm. I was yeah, able so, to go. So, so handing what that, if this works? Right. So handing that card out like fuels a daydream. Yeah. It fuels a fantasy, but it, it's it fuels not the more just, safe real life approach to that fantasy. Uh, that, that's where I was going with yeah. that. Yeah. So, so it's not just a fantasy anymore, but it's like a practical way of approaching that fantasy. So, like, it, it, it sets off those i don't know like it gives you a little dopamine rush every time you do it but it's a well-founded one yeah because my my brain is very bad at um clinging to accomplishment i don't have a long serotonin (laughs) float around period i suppose like when i accomplish a goal i usually don't feel a reward i usually just feel tired (laughs) oh no it's why it it is very frustrating Uh. like and it, it's gotten to the point where, like, edit this out. Like, I can a. I'll have to remember to edit it, and b. I said to. <laughs> I, that doesn't mean I'm paying attention. <laughs> We're at fifty-one minutes. And b, so you it's gotta like, do something at fifty-one minutes. What? That's ah, fine. Don't worry about it. The um, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> no. Um, 
oh, I was about to say something and then got derailed by this this whole thing. No, it wasn't a derail because you derailed it because you said edit the thing. Yeah. See, now I'll remember because this is a long enough span of time. I'll notice that we're listen. not talking about the subject anymore. Pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> I, I edited it at 2x speed. I'm just looking for bumps. So <laughs> the... Um, but no, it's interesting. Like I don't, I don't get the feeling of it for little stuff, you know, checkbox type stuff. I get the the little rush of accomplishment. But for um, for larger stuff, um, it tends to have a longer tail, and that actually ties back into the thing that uh, before Matt kindly interrupted us. Um, I was talking about how I I have expectations for myself. I have extremely high expectations for myself, but. I have those because I can meet them, and I know I can meet them if I give enough time and effort and energy. I talked about this relatively recently with, uh, and I'm trying to apply this to all the essays that I write, but my End of the Breach essay was substantially better than it would have been if I had released it on the deadline I originally set. Mm. Um because I just I didn't give it enough time, and I knew that. And there were there were two forms of this accomplishment. I could either put it out and say, "Hurrah! I put out." a cogent essay about this topic within a month of the game's release. How timely of me. I opted instead for a substantially more useful accomplishment, which is that if someone goes and reads that essay three years from now, the dividends on that will continue to pay for themselves. The fact that people will have been playing into the breach when they read my initial version of that essay is completely it's an order of magnitude less gratifying than the ability because i i believe you don't need to have even played the game for that essay to be worth reading and i understand that's bragging but that's sort of what i'm going for is that i i know i can write well and when i don't write well i mean part of the reason dylan i mean how how many accomplishments do you have that you think meet your you you alluded to needing to be better than yourself Mm. Um, to sort of transcend. I mean, does part of this have to do with the fact that at some point you have to cut it off and say it's done? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what I figured. That that usually is the the nail in the coffin for satisfaction is a deadline. Um, but if I don't set deadlines, uh, all all in the longer something takes, I don't get satisfaction from how good it turns out because all I see are setbacks. I just see a longer stretch of setbacks and all of that time being wasted when this was the way it was supposed to have been the whole time. And that's not like a practical way to think, but it is, you know, a reactive, um, it's a reaction. And that's, you don't have any counterexamples to that? Not that I can think of. The mural doesn't count? The mural, I don't feel good about it at all. I see that thing and think I should be redone every time I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I meant in the other I meant in the other direction. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because no. you could finish that thing at any time. You just come back and do it. I just have to redo it. Yeah. Yeah. I should. Yeah, that's that's totally an option. And that I mean most of the time, again, you have to set a deadline because, you know, time is in fact short, particularly yeah. for professional endeavors, and that's why the machination log is a aggressively not-for-profit organization because if i was because if i if i did feel actually pressured to 
make something out of this. And every time I've tried to do that, you know, I've several times I've promised either a daily podcast or a weekly podcast. And that always falls apart, not merely because my brain hates me, but because that pressure reduces the quality of the stuff I produce. There are pros and cons to doing it that way. I feel like when somebody does, this is me talking completely out of my ass, but, um, <laughs> Someone else out there has a point on this. Yeah. And you're going to be their advocate for the next 15 yeah. seconds. Uh, when somebody has to do a re repeated um, creative venture, they are not thinking about... They are viewing all of the mandatory as practice and then usually a side thing or a long-term project as the actual um, endgame. I know some people in caricatures who would do this. Um, you know... In, in the world of professional caricature, you are not trying to do the best drawing that you've ever done every time. You are trying to, you know, practice one aspect. What is something about this person that's different that I can work on this one time? And it's accumulating all of those little pieces. And they don't have to be perfect. They just have to be sellable. And in some cases, they're not going to be bought anyway. So that you'll have a library to source back through when trying to tackle one of the bigger goals talking all the time you know even in circles with friends it might not be helpful or perfect in the time that we're doing it but it could help for later um, an hour-long podcast where a single stream of consciousness is the only part that made sense for you know three minutes stands out and you're able to collect and learn from the short positive moments through stretches of failure uh, to, to make the good thing at the end. Shots fired. Yeah. Um, I'm also kind of saying that for myself because that's not something I inherently experience or believe. It is something I want to believe. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's absolutely. It would be really nice to believe that every, every bit of writing I do and every podcast and every video is like culminating in something. But I, do, I don't genuinely believe that. And the reason I don't genuinely believe that is that my writing and my videos and that kind of stuff do not improve when I do them formulaically. They only improve experimentally. Yeah. Um, they only improve when I actually give myself the time. Uh, because otherwise my brain reprioritizes. Yeah. Um, and I start, you know, I start valuing the economy of the thing and that does degrade the quality of it mm. at least in my case yeah i'm sure there there are clearly a lot of people for whom that's not true they, but i'm to, not i'm not one of them yeah there i mean there are people who put a little bit of experimentation in to just spice things up um and i feel like that's the real way to grow and then there's thomas kincaid and then there's thomas kincaid um, Wait, what wh what is he he painted the same fucking yeah. house with a light in it for like 50 years. And then hired a bunch of uh, immigrants to do it for him so that he could collect all the money. No, he's a, ter he's a terrible human being who drank himself to death and kind of deserved it. He was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, true professional. Yeah, no, that uh, that is an example of somebody who, um, contrary to his paintings, has lost the light inside. And <laughs> <laughs> Nice though. And look who's got egg on their face. Who's the famous painter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, it's uh, not me. He's famous despite that. There's, there are ways to measure success, and if uh, getting wait, a bunch wait, of money wait, and wait. drinking yourself to death is one of them, then I don't want to be successful. <laughs> Matt, 
Matt, you just introduced a caveat here, and I don't know if I agree with it. it, it well, okay, so so I don't know this guy, but it's possible that you've, he's you've famous. You've seen a Kincaid painting. Okay, it's, it's, but it's, I don't, it's, a, it's a very generic oil painterly look. Uh, where I've seen it's, a Christmas plate before. Yeah, there's usually okay. there's usually snow. There's just a bunch of cottages. There's a little bit of light. Um, it's generally a little after dusk. Um, Dylan Spring. Yeah, uh, I've I've you, seen this. You, before. You've definitely seen them before. Sure. And the rubes out there. Eat that shit up. That's why he just turned his entire brand into a factory because okay. because he found he honed his craft into something that was saleable that everybody seems to like or at least enough people seem to like. Uh, and um, he then just cranked those out until he died. Yeah, I've seen. Well, this he before. made other people crank them out at a certain. Point. Made other people crank them out until he died. Um, and I don't. Like I don't, I don't, I don't want that. That's absolutely the opposite of my creative process. And you've tried something like that before, and you've just felt icky as you're, a result. You're told by everyone who has discipline in the known universe that routine is, in some way, um, to paraphrase, freedom. So, <laughs> like, there's, and it's. I'm not saying that discipline is useless. It takes discipline for me to read an essay that I've been working on for a month and say, no, this isn't good enough. I mm -hmm. need to keep going. Um, that, that requires discipline in and of itself. But there's a difference between the discipline of adhering to your own expectations and the discipline of routine. And the discipline of routine, despite the fact that I generate routines like a madman... Um, and then you obey them for about four days at a time on average. Exactly. I... I, I, they they totally go away because routine yeah. is not the. I, I need that's a okay routine. For you. That's okay for you though, because the product of that non-routine routine is good for you. I'm, it's, I'm, you I'm, are experimenting. No, yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's that's. I was gonna try to process this in real time because it is a borderline epiphany. Is that the reason why I have to keep changing routines? Is because my routines need to be experimental. Yeah. And that's okay. Because that's the thing that I do, yeah. which is incredibly ironic on the back of calling myself um, aggressively risk-averse, um, but that's just the dichotomy <laughs> I get to live with. Well, I, uh, I would on, say on, that... On, sorry, sorry, the paradox. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to fuck that up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the paradox the of, of having several different risky routines is the most risk-adverse <laughs> way to take risks is by making multiple routines. The stakes are low, David, in this regard. That's so, that's the idea. Right. So so it's it's not risk aversion doesn't really play in here at all, I th I, I think. Um <laughs> if risk aversion I guess I could see how that would be true if I guess it depends on it's it's an almost cultural definition of a risk aversion is because it's not it's not that I don't take risks it's that I will never take a blind risk. Yes. I will always know what the odds are. And I will not take anything that's not reasonably sh close to a sure bet. That can involve risk and that's institutional risk is of that form that's why banks have all the money because they're very good at leveraging that kind of risk. Um so here's my problem having now made this epiphany about routines, if I try to set that as an expectation, <laughs> oh no, this will go second order and collapse in on oh, itself. Oh no. So, so 
you're gonna have to make like a routine of making routines. No, that's the thing. I can't do that because that will break down. Yeah. Okay. My brain will know what I'm doing and shut that shit down. So will it shut it down by making one routine, making you stick with that one routine? So is that how your brain will shut you down? Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe. Oh no. Well, instead of making <laughs> it'll work. <laughs> it's 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 a lot of it is where you're putting the effort into goal orientation there. And uh again, daydreaming about how things will go can evolve into planning and you should instead of like trying to make riskier routines or more drastic differences instead just try to find what what is something in my life that I want to experience or gain and what is a routine that will help me towards that yeah that's what I do all day yeah I just sit oh, so there and generate just keep those. doing that <laughs> look that, that that's the problem is that that hasn't worked very well for the last year mm. um, it's been quite weak I've been trying to figure out how to unspiral myself from that and I, it's really hard to know whether it's working because it's very easy to crash back down to zero right now the, pro- the problem with bottoming out it is, it is useful in its own way to know that you've hit some sort of nadir and can go the, it's very easy to just hit your ass over and over and over again in the process of getting back out yeah. of the valley um, it's, not, it's not quite that simple most of the time well, if the movie Limitless taught me anything, it's that And when it didn't, but go on. It's that when you're at your bottom, when you've hit just the lowest point you think you could do, uh, do drugs, and you will be better than any human being alive. All right. Don't watch the movie Limitless. It's not good. <laughs> uh, a more balanced perspective on that is, yeah, maybe, maybe some medication would help, just as a way to balance so i've been on all of them at some point in the past um and they uh they don't work very well for me my brain is just a little too broke for those for the most part um but no but did you do them alongside therapy no try it i did no such thing should do both what that sounds like maybe that's the thing that was missing maybe i don't know i will do some sort of peremptory investigation of that kind of stuff probably here at some point but that also sounds like a routine so and it's one you haven't done yeah yeah so do we have any do we have anything else we want to do no i feel like we've diverged i mean i've been trying to hook daydreaming back into i don't know it was a good launch pad i think for a lot of discussion so well i mean like everything else it all ties back in so yeah I mean, daydreaming was just another excuse. It was another avenue to hit the main street of why the fuck are you not making art and why am I not doing all the things that I want to do? Uh, Well, in my case, it's the thing that's been helping me do art. So, Well, yeah. Yeah. It's good. Daydreaming's good. Recommend it. How positive. Matt, do you have anything you want to throw on the back burner here? My standards for myself are so low right now. I don't know when I'm going to bring them back up, David. What on earth? Earth, besides time, would change that. Drugs. Drugs would would change that, but I don't think I need anything besides time. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going right now. 
with this uh, low standard, and then when it when it feels appropriate to bring it back, I'll bring it back. Much like the thing that I find positive from time travel fantasies, I'd say you should just keep traveling forward in time so that you can compare back to now and see how things have changed. But how far forward should I, should I go in this state? As far as your imagination will take you. <laughs> Age 80, and then I look back and say... Uh, just fill yourself with regret. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I don't know. I'm better than I was five years ago. Not a whole lot, but hey, it's better. I'm farther. I'm doing more. Sometimes that helps a lot. That's Tumblr-style inspirational. Certain parts of Tumblr. I get that The inspirational parts. That, that feels... reductive, but okay. What? No, it's the kind of stuff that gets posted on Tumblr all the time. Yeah, it's like, man, it's going to be alright. It gets all right. set around by... It, it'll be okay. Yeah. It's, it's a vi- Look, I'm not... It's just prolific there, but citing it as the source feels what? reductive. Well, you, you have a much lower opinion of Tumblr than I do anyway. I... <laughs> My Tumblr is curated for good. (laughs) It's a place I can go to actually relax. Oh, wow. Yeah. That can't be said for many. (laughs) That's apparently. Yeah. Twitter is my anxiety-ridden blanket, but that's... uh, I should probably just stop using Twitter, but I did already dump it. I'm going to do a Facebook dump because I need to get off Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's the one I've been... I got it off my phone. I don't have Facebook or Tumblr on my phone. That has helped me a lot as well. <laughs> Not having Facebook at the at your fingertips is very helpful. It is nice to have like Instagram to look at cool stuff throughout the day, but to know what's going on while I'm trying to get anything done is not helpful. I hate that Twitter's tagline is it's what's happening because it's so clearly not what's happening. It's so clearly a stream of consciousness that contains the entire world, which almost by definition has no information in it at all. <laughs> like it does it doesn't tell you anything. It's it tell it I hate the syndrome because everyone's special, no one is. It's a bullshit argument. But in this particular case, there's because all the info is on Twitter, the signal to noise ratio is almost zero. There's just nothing going on. But that is what is happening, David. Pure chaos. <laughs> Twitter's correct. I, I it's what's to, happening. I don't want to think about that too hard. But you, it's you're, a hurricane you're of cer- engagement. Yeah, you're almost certainly right um, in a really dark, dark way about that. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Do you have recordings over there? Good morning, everyone. I'm sure I've recorded it at some point. So if we're going to follow that strategy... Um, we should go buy lottery tickets because the jackpot's one point six billion dollars. Oh, okay. See, you're all right. You're you already won. Which preach, excellent. No, I bought one. Oh, you bought yeah. one. Okay. That's the ultimate daydream is gambling. Yeah. No, uh, that is a way to monetize daydreaming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you want to think about having more money than you should ever have? That will be two dollars. Because you can't daydream li- about it if you don't buy one. It's time to make it more likely that you'll go bankrupt. Buy a lottery ticket. No, it... What? I think that's a correlative. I don't know if that's a causative. It just introduces the most amount of anxiety to a human being. Because I've... I've Winning or playing? Winning. Yes. Winning the lottery is probably the most... I don't think that's a celebratory moment. If I won the lottery, my reaction would not be, yeah, it would be, 
fuck, I have so much shit to sort out now. <laughs> I have to get a lawyer. I have to get a bodyguard. I have to do so much shit. See, now you're speaking my language, because for about half an hour this morning, um, when I found out about the Powerball, I immediately flipped from what I would do with the money to how I would not die. <laughs> like, that was the first consideration af- after learning about it. And then I spent 25 minutes in what is apparently not daydreaming, according to Wikipedia. Um, concerned Wait, for my own livelihood. You had a spreadsheet? No, no, no. I didn't have a spreadsheet for this. I didn't bother to write this down. Oh, we do need to go through. Uh, we didn't cover. I don't have a list of them, but this should be relatively easy to conjure. Uh, I need to know how many times a year everybody in this room has the following incredibly generic daydreams. Uh-oh. Number one, um, you're on a plane and there's a terrorist. Zero. Not often, yeah. No, okay. zero. 9-11, apparently forgotten. Uh, I, I, I didn't have that daydream. Not top priority. After what? 9-11 either. What? Yeah. Dude, it's like the easiest thing in the world. You're like, oh, well, there's, there's an no, air marshal. Uh, oh, he gets okay. choked out, and sure. it's up to you. How do you dodge a box cutter? Okay. How do you M- get around? Maybe I had this daydream once or twice immediately after 9-11, but otherwise I didn't really think about that. I, I mean, it's not like I have this once a week or anything, but just every once in a while. No, in, at in, least once on airport. Instead, it's uh, stopping a, a shooter at like a bank or a Yeah, sure. That store. was going to be my next one. So, generally. Preventing a terrorist. Yeah, preventing a terrorist incident. Dylan, you only came up with like two. I was kind of uh, disappointed. No, we had the... They, they were frequent. Um, there's the looking outside of a car window and imagining either a tank rolling over everything, a cool ninja parkouring across the building tops, or a dude skateboarding, grinding, and doing sick shit. Those are three very common ones, I feel. I imagine very large animals yeah. in the in the background. Um, and then I got one of those painted on my wall. Yep. Uh, so. Anamorphing, uh, turning into like a powerful creature of some kind in front of people Hell for yeah. their shock and awe. Ooh. And later admiration because, uh, you know, a superhero fantasy, basically. But like a benevolent large animal. I mean, that's up what, to you, baby. Yeah, whatever. Uh, well, okay. Who's yeah. going to stop <laughs> you? You're fucking su- so fantasizing about your superhero origin story, basically. Um, yeah, what are some other frequent ones I have? Bit by a radioactive catchphrase. <laughs> uh, uh, flirting, funny enough. You know, fantasizing about... You know, you saw somebody you like, imagining a cool interaction with them, the spice of meeting up with them later. Like, Of course. Sometimes oh, the other, you can have a sexy daydream. Uh, the other one that uh, I didn't want to interrupt. No, you're good. That was the end of the sentence. The, um, I was weird. I felt really shitty saying that, so now I like feel <laughs> wow. like apologizing for it. <laughs> but you, were, you didn't, uh, Matt, you weren't here when we brought it up initially. Um, the the self talk monologue or the arguing with someone who's not oh winning not an there. argument is totally one of the best daydreams yeah yeah <laughs> just, just like fucking devastating somebody in an argument like no no one is even on the other side of the argument it's just you you want to you, you just wish someone disagreed with you so you just talk at them. What, you deal with it. What, when you're, like, in an everyday situation, just <laughs> thinking, like, hey, I'm right about this thing, come and fight me intellectually. Yeah, basically, and then you daydream about that for 5, 10, 30 uh, hours. Somebody being shitty in a restaurant or grocery store or something, and then you just burning them to the ground with insults about how they're shitty they're being in this or social fire. situation. Or fire. Or fire if you're Literally burning extreme. them down. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, I have that one, like. 
That person fucking... You don't have that many items for the 11 items or less line. Oh, so asshole. you just you take all of their items and just throw them back into the produce section? Yeah, just chucking eggs at them. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, yeah. I've done a dissociation with that because I always now fantasize about the cashier doing something about it. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> so my day, oh, that's tight. My daydreams are risk-averse in the sense that I get someone else to do the risky <laughs> thing for me. So that justice and law can be upheld. Um, Without your involvement. <laughs> arbitrarily. Yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, wait a second. But but that's... David, we're thinking about fantasy here. Yeah. So you yeah. don't fantasize. Yeah, I delegate. Uh, you, you delegate <laughs> even in your fantasy. Actually, so, so you you don't act out these you don't act out th- that justice that firsthand justice in your fantasy. I mean, I've you even had, let somebody else do it in your fantasy. So come so, on, David. But that's the thing. I don't delegate in real life. I delegate almost nothing in real life. I automate, right. sure, but I don't let any. I don't trust anyone to do anything. Not, not the risky things. So not throwing the eggs at the person at the checkout line or mowing the lawn. <laughs> but. <laughs> The one thing I do pay someone else to do, but <sighs> yeah, no, it's a practical daydream, and it's co- again, it's comforting because order is restored. Yeah, it, it is a small. Most daydreaming is a small way to restore order to a chaotic or and irritating I, situation. And I have to be a vigilante if I have to stand up for the laws at Publix. Like, the cashier is doing their job. They're, they are the law in this case, and I want them to do... I want them to administer the justice. I don't want to have to step in, especially if I'm not already coinciding this with some other daydream about well, having either superpowers well, well, or something like you that. You haven't worked a service job. The people, they have no power. Sure. The, the people in the service job are at the mercy. I am fantasizing. I'm not yeah. telling the cashier <laughs> to do this. I under, like I understand their jobs are like there's a reason I haven't had one. It's because I to the extent it was possible to avoid it and blessedly it worked. I didn't want one. This yeah. is another retirement career. So after you retire, you don't, you have done the last job that you need to at the corporation. It's like firing everybody. That's that's the job. That's the fantasy job in the corporation. You just fire everybody all the time. So after that, you become a checkout counter. You're you're a cashier at the grocery store, and, the and you just administer justice. No, nope, downgrade it all the way to the counter. R- right. Yeah. It's it's been a hard fall, but you know what? It's fine. I'm retired now. So you just administer justice all the time. Someone shows up. And they've got two more boxes of cereal mm-hmm. than they're supposed to. Pick Open it up. up. Don't throw. Just straight across the floor. That was the ten. first one. The second one, you smash into their face. What? See, that gets problematic, especially if you're retired, uh-huh. um, because you, a civil suit can then come into the picture. This is why I want to do substitute teaching, because mm-hmm. as long as I don't hit anybody. They all they can do is fire me. <laughs> sure, I might have to edit this part out if so I want to be a substitute teacher. So you're just gonna hit them with your words, yeah? Not yeah. your actions. That's. I feel gross. <laughs> I feel gross having heard you say that. <laughs> but you is that what you're thinking? With, Jesus Christ! No, sometimes no, words it is, hit you. It's literally just. It's literally the theater of it. It is. It is the. It, it's just a form of performance. <laughs> like, that's absolutely what teaching is to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because if I think back through all the teachers 
I gave a shit about, they were all the performers. They were the people. That's how you get students engaged, but I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned with the performance specifically. If they learn something, that's that's cool. But <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm there for me. And we'll make this perfectly clear. This is why it's a daydream. <laughs> all daydreams are selfish. Because even the ones where you're doing things like administering justice or being a good person and stopping a terrorist attack, the daydream is not stopping the terrorist attack. The daydream is having other people notice that you stopped the terrorist attack. Yeah, no, it's mostly power fantasy stuff. Yeah. And it's not, and again, it's power fantasy in this, it's not a power fantasy, it's a notice me fantasy. It is, it is being noticed. Like, no one fantasizes about powers they can't take credit for. Like, you, the person has to come up to you after the fact and ask you, it's like, wow, how did you get so awesome? A- acknowledgement and, is the most powerful thing. Well, so you don't, you don't go into the woods and just pick up a piece of trash, even though no one's going to see it. I mean, I do that in real life, but you know, you not in the fantasy. <laughs> and in look, and in the ideal version of the real life story, someone would watch me do that and think I'm a good person. Okay, yeah, of course, it's an acknowledgement well, fantasy. That that's one of the uh, other things. It is it is fulfilling something that uh, you feel lacking in life, which is people's acknowledgement for good deeds i seeing somebody do a good thing when you i well at least in my case when i see somebody doing so, something good i'm stoked about that person like i i i feel positively over how like well they've done and i wish i could express them at, that at them because i if i see something good i don't always express it at somebody cuz i'll feel you know, kind of weird, and it, it it might not feel right, and you kind of want to just let the good thing live on its own, because like appreciation feels like a like a tainting in some way, like you're you're lessening it by like they were just doing it for the yeah, cred, like they're doing and by it giving that. it by giving them the cred, you're like taking something away from them actually. Let yeah. me hit you with some words. In a minute of speaking. <laughs> God, stop! It David. feels so bad. No, let me let, let me. Let me All use right. a different lens on this. The re- Maybe you feel like words are cheap because there's something that's not cheap, and that's material compensation. <laughs> <laughs> which is what Here, you, take all my money. <laughs> which is what you should be giving that person for being a good person because that's the only way that capitalism would work on a cultural level, which mm. means capitalism. That's why we daydream, man. It all comes back. Because you wouldn't need to daydream if you could just be a nice person. Some would be like and point at you and make you feel good but it feels cheap to do that because money I would feel way worse if I did something nice and somebody gave me five dollars yeah because and then said nothing yeah because it's gross yeah no that's gross yeah I don't like that Andrew Gillum 2018 he's not actually a socialist so it's really a bad plug but I thought you said no more politics on this podcast yeah, but I brought it back because you said something that reminded me of capitalism, that's which is fair. like everything. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so they live... All right, I was just about to make the worst analogy of all time. I was about to say that this was like they live, but they live is literally about this. About seeing... Yeah. <laughs> that's, yep, that's, that's literally what happens in the movie. You figured it out. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> What are these themes? What's the subtext here? <laughs> what was They Live really about? I did a I did an entire podcast on this film, and then what you did? You did a They Live? One? We did, yeah, we did that one. When the fuck was that? 
I don't remember. Oh, I need to watch that one. Catch it before I delete the backlog. Oh, you guys just talked about him being a fucking wrestler the whole time. I remember now. (laughs) God damn it. You just talk about that fucking fight scene. I'll have to go back and listen to it. That's all I remember anyway. Before deleting it, you said? Yeah. Well, no, that's the best part is I I still have all of them. So this is you fucks don't get to listen to them. (laughs) Taken. (laughs) Starved. Now I'll archive him somewhere probably. I just I was I was telling Dylan before we started I wanna I, I, I probably wanna clear the backlog of stuff so that I don't so that I'm not as self conscious about the um about what I have and have not covered. Like I want I wanna have a better idea of what I've actually talked about because I have been doing this for three years. There's hundreds of hours of this stuff now. Well, that went on way longer than the yeah, part where I thought we were going to wrap up, but I think it was good. It's going to so. need a lot of editing. Maybe this can be the... Um, starts with an E. Uh, Edit. Yeah. Don't, don't forget that one. part of 51 minutes. Epilogue. There we go. Epilogue. Where we actually talk about daydreaming for a little bit. <laughs> or you just put the back at the front. And, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Or we put the 51-minute part as literally the first part with no context on it that's a bad idea david that's not respectful it's it's certainly not respectful but what if it's a really good idea it's not okay well we'll let history decide anyway (laughs) that's gonna do it (laughs) dylan thanks for coming over to my house i'm giving a thumbs up this doesn't work great in an audio medium matt thanks for living at my house yes and thanks for being part of the Machination Log. And you weren't able to see it, but he did not give a thumbs up. Thanks for clarifying that, Dylan. No problem. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. <laughs>